Welcome to Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today, we're talking about how to improve the audio, the sound that comes out of your scanner. Now, again, all session notes can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 142. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie Kay, Edward Dufour, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and Willie Marcan. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. If this is your first week joining us for class, or you're already a weekly listener, welcome to this week's podcast. Today, we have another returning guest. Now, some of you might remember Harrison Wilson from Session 81 of the Scanner School podcast, where we talked about the dangers of using commercial radios for scanning. Harrison also returned on session 99. We discussed vehicle installation tips and tricks. Well, Harrison is back today and he brings his audiophile expertise and discusses how to improve the audio that comes out of the scanner. Let's go ahead and join the interview now. All right. I want to welcome back again for the third time, Harrison Wilson. Harrison was Happy not to be the first second person, but he's he's now the first third person. So welcome, welcome back again for the third time. Glad to have happy you. Happy to be happy to be here. Do I win a prize? I'll, I'll send you some stickers. How's that sound? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so uh, the last time we talked, we talked about vehicle installations, and the first time we talked, we talked about commercial radios. And uh, the last one talked about the vehicle installation. We kind of went a little bit on a a teaser on audio and 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 putting speakers in and and how we can kind of like go down a rabbit hole in that one we kind of nipped that one in the bud but we're kind of back right now to return to that topic because this is something that is rather interesting i i I know personally that's one of the things that that you notice right away about a scanner especially these these new radios that have bottom facing speakers 
And I'm the kind of person I completely dislike the idea of using the mobile bracket and turning it upside down and calling that a desktop stand. To me, that is just tacky. I guess the better way of saying it, I miss the old kickstand days of radios. So whenever possible, if, if I'm not firing my speaker directly into my computer desk, which is really horrible, I say that as I'm looking at my SDS 200, that's exactly mounted that way. It's always nice to have an external speaker. So, uh, Harrison, I, I know, I know you're here right now. Talk about how to make that sound a lot better. So, uh, I'm going to hand it off to you since you're, you're the audio expert here. So where would you start and what would you do? So by all means, let me just clarify by saying as much as I would love to turn everybody into sound engineers, that might be a little hard because I'm not a true sound engineer myself, but I get into this a lot kind of back tied with the installation stuff used to do car audio and still kind of do it as a hobby. So I've gotten kind of more nerdy about improving audio and how we can make it sound better. So just kind of try to, I guess my thought here is I would walk people through how can we make this audio that we're listening to how can we make it sound better so let's let's define where we are now how does it sound now i mean what would you categorize that i mean i would call it tinny at best i mean what would you say it would it sounds like absolutely try to improve it yeah so that's uh, one of the best things i can say to describe a lot of these scanners it's tinny so why does it get that tinny sound quality of parts unfortunately to meet the price point of a lot of us we have to find ways to reduce the cost of manufacturing. So pretty that much includes, I can that includes a $600 scanner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, $600 is a humongous investment. It's part of the reason I don't have an SDS yet still. <laughs> I still need to consider one, but when they want to be able to even meet a $600 price point with the amount of technology they have to put in to be able to deliver all the features that people demand and demand rightfully. So, they have to cut corners places so one of the places that's commonly cut is with the speaker so the speaker in these is usually made out of some sort of paper cone so the material that the cone of the speaker is made out of can have a big impact on the quality and then how we amplify that sound so the hardware that's on the board to amplify that sound can play a big impact into it and that's kind of why scanners don't really go to 11 all the time so to speak yeah sometimes they barely get to two (laughs) right and So the first thing I like to think about when I'm diagnosing any sort of audio situation or poor audio quality is I diagnose a lot of problems, how I learned as a firefighter how to diagnose an issue where I couldn't pump water. So the best trick I ever learned for any firefighters out there listening when you're pumping water is you start at the source of your water and work all the way forward to diagnose a problem. And with audio, a lot of that plays into effect. So unfortunately, one of the parts where we start is kind of like the source of water. Well, what's the source of the audio? And there can be a problem there sometimes. So a lot of that kind of comes down to the radio system you're listening to. And there's stuff that might be completely beyond our control in terms of the audio quality that we're getting in. As I mentioned on the first time I appeared, I work on communications and IT systems for public safety on a day-to-day basis. So one of the jokes we actually have internally is how good a jurisdiction's radio system might sound. So some of these high-dollar, high-end P25 Phase 2 systems can have really good auto quality because the radios they're using are $6,000 with six-plus microphones and wind porting and all this great technology. And then it's fed through 
digital audio converters that have really good quality that make sure that the end-to-end audio is as crystal clear as it can be because it's really important for the safety of a firefighter or police officer that every word they say is heard and heard clearly. But there's plenty of systems out there where, unfortunately, the audio quality isn't so great. Maybe they're on a temporary issue or maybe you get into a situation where, for budgetary or other reasons, the audio quality of the system is not great. I've been to more rural parts where due to budgetary restrictions, they've had to use devices like a what's called a RIC or other audio interfaces to create a repeater. And so what happens is the radio that they've got as the input isn't the greatest quality audio coming out. And then it's directly connected into a, another radio that's transmitting and it's not really designed for full duty cycle. So now you start to get interference and other noise introduced into the audio and the cabling between it isn't the greatest quality. So there's a lot of factors outside of our control with some of these systems that we're listening to where the audio quality isn't great. But luckily, some of the scanner manufacturers have ways around that. And I was going to kind of lean on you to talk about some of those ways that we can kind of overcome that just because it's something I need to learn to improve with the scanner itself. All right. Yeah, I'm not really an expert on that totally, but uh, we'll talk about that towards the end. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, because I know it's come up before on some of the Ask Scanner schools and some stuff like that. Normally, I I will always refresh my memory in the manual before I even talk about it, to be honest with you, because it's not something I touch every single day. In fact, um, I really haven't had a need to touch it because my local P25 system here is pretty much Medcom only I can listen to, so it's not really too much of an issue for me to listen to that, the way it's set up in the scanner, but now that I have another neighboring county over here that's that's playing around, it's it's gonna be more of a hassle for me to kind of dial that in. So I haven't really had to mess around with it too much personally, but I know of people who complain that, and we talked about it the last time too, or the first time you were on, you know, just how adjusting those because you have one system that's just too loud and one's too quiet and one is just too robotic and so and this one is just right type of thing you know it's just the three bears in the trunk system so it's it, like you said it does fall a lot onto how it's set up and then you can kind of play around with the radio to get it to you can tweak it internally but let's just assume we've got things on that end tweaked and and we have good signal coming to the radio and the transmitter on your end is optimized so you're receiving a good signal so what would what's the next step on the uh the flow So definitely your volume is going to play into it. If you're just going to output the audio out of your speaker, there's little much you can do at that point beyond some sort of serious modification to the internal radio itself. So maybe being lucky and seeing that some part manufacturer has a speaker out there that you could tear apart your $600 scanner and replace the speaker with a higher quality one, you might get lucky. I don't know what the specs of the speakers and and some of these devices specifically are, but you would have to find one with the right mount size, the right depth, and be able to fit in the same location. And that's assuming you can find one that's even higher quality because for all I know with these manufacturers, it's not even a cost-cutting thing. It's the only option they have available, but typically it's cost-cutting. And usually the markets that those sorts of speakers are catered to is for high-volume industry. So they definitely want that economies of scale. And when I say that, I mean like they're producing enough scanners that They need to find every possible place they can to reduce the cost of the manufacturing and the cost of the parts so that they can realize the most amount of profit. Because at the end of the day, these companies are selling these devices so that they can make money. So that's one of the realities there. But what I typically find I do 
is even if I want to have something on the desk and desktop speaker is plenty loud, I still end up connecting to an external audio source. So there's plenty of ways to do that. One of the simplest ways I've actually seen a lot of people use is the typical external speakers that are designed for a mobile installation. So we kind of talked about some of the ones on the last time about how you can go out and buy communication speakers that are either amplified or non-amplified. But even the non-amplified ones, because of the specifications of the speaker, so when we're talking about specifications, we talk about the resistance of the speaker. So speakers have a resistance load, which you can measure with a digital multimeter or just pull right off the manufacturer's website for specification. That's going to play into how the amplifier used in the audio for that speaker connection drives that speaker. So different ohm loads can have different impacts on your speaker. So a speaker with more resistance could potentially produce better sound, but it could also produce worse sound. So this is definitely a topic I invite people to go do some searching on and understanding how speaker resistance can play an impact on your sound. When you look at communities like the audiophile community, so these are people who want the best possible sound typically out of music, they are going to purchase headphones that have a much higher impedance so the ohms are higher on their speaker on their headphones so that it requires a lot more power to be able to drive them and what that is able to do is be able to produce greater range because there's a larger difference in the amount of movement of the speaker and so that's why i encourage people to just try start with a speaker and sometimes the cost of the speaker can really play into the quality of it so something that's ten dollars on amazon is probably not going to sound as good as something that's $100, but that doesn't mean you have to jump right to something that's $100. I've seen speakers for the HFDX guys that can go upwards of three, dollars $400, $500, which is just insane in my opinion. So there's no reason to jump that high, but definitely think about the quality or even consider making an adapter for a vehicle speaker. What I've seen a couple people do is use the Motorola branded speakers that normally come with their mobile radios and make an adapter that goes to a headphone jack that they can plug into their scanner. It's shocking the difference in the quality of the sound just by changing not only the impedance load, but the size of the speaker can have on your sound quality. And now you're also facing it towards you. So that's now played an important role. So you've overcome the fact that you probably would need more amplification with the fact that now the sound is directed towards you as opposed to down firing into the desk. So I know you're comparing the Motorola speakers versus the Unidane or Whistler speakers. So you're looking at apples and oranges there. But it is very obvious, though, when you hook up a higher-end speaker to it. And again, too, even the case itself can, can make a difference, right? Because the way the case is constructed and the airflow around the speaker and all that would make a little bit of a difference, too, I would think, in, in the uh, the sound of the audio. Oh, absolutely. So sound is vibration. It's the movement of the speaker back and forth. And if you look at a uh, sound, it's actually a, it's at its heart. It's basically a sine wave a voltage, basically driving the speaker in and out to produce the tones. So in the mobile audio world, what's around the speaker has a humongous impact on your sound. So that's why they have sound deadening products from mobile. So the more that vibrates with the speaker can have an impact. So if you have some way to mount uh, uh, your speakers in a way that isolates them from transmitting their vibration, that can have a huge impact. One of the running jokes, and I don't know whether it's true or not, was how the reason everybody thought Bose 
sound systems were so nice was because they specifically increased the volume at the 60 kilohertz, which is usually around the frequency that you can get resonation with windows and things like that. So basically, your windows start to vibrate from sound played at that frequency. So what can begin to have so what the joke used to be that they specifically did that to make it sound much louder and richer. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not entirely sure. But it's something you have to consider because the way everything in the space where you have the speaker mounted can definitely play an impact into how your sound quality is. Gotcha. So this is more, though, than than just replacing a speaker, though, right? I mean, there's, there's more involved to getting a better sound on it than that. Well, absolutely. I mean, at its very base, if you want a cheap and easy way to say, hey, I want to sound a little bit better, you could attach an external speaker that's just of higher quality. But we can definitely take this a lot further. So one of the things that I have a lot of people ask me is how can I make it so I can listen to five or more a crazy amount of scanners? I want to have a scanner or some device playing a radio feed from everybody I can pick up in my region all at the same time. Well, what you can get into is devices that would make sure that the signal you're getting into goes into a mixer or some other device that allows the combination of the signals all at the same volume all at the same voltages so that when you go to mix the sound, they're all closely matched to each other. The headphone jacks that most people see on their scanners typically have some sort of amplification associated with them. So there's some sort of amplifier on the circuit board itself to help provide the audio signal. What I recommend for a lot of people is to take it down to a device, which are typically called high-level to low-level adapters in the car audio industry. There's some other devices meant more for uh, home use and desktop use that are designed to do the same thing. And basically what they do is they take that amplified signal and take it back to a level which would be pre-amplified so that you can then run it into some other audio mixing device or audio correction device if you want to take it that far, like an equalizer. And then amplify your now crystal clear sound back out speakers. And then if you want to have multiple devices, you can get into what's called panning. So you set the balance between two speakers for each device. So it pans toward the left or the right and you create what's called a sound stage where basically you get a sound image. And those terms are kind of confusing, but basically it's how you kind of visualize the sound. So a good sound stage when you're listening to music would make you feel like the the person either singing or speaking or playing an instrument is right in front of you. Basically, they would be in a stage and you're just sitting in the front row center of this auditorium and you're just hearing them really good. So when you get really good audio, you get a good soundstage where you can definitely place the, the focal point right in front of you. When you start getting all your multiple scanners like that, you can do what's called panning. So basically, you create an image where not only are the speakers or the sorry the scanners placed in such a way that they're from left to right but the sound travels from left to right based on which one is actually active at the time so you could tell the difference between a a signal coming out your skin all the way left and one all the way to the right and there used to be commercial products to actually do this and they were quite popular i don't know if they're still out there i think some of the companies that made those and they were actually designed for communications kind of went by the wayside but it's something you can still totally do today. Right. So what I, I mean, before I get to what I have set up over here, you talked about using the headphone jack out. Why not use the line out jack? I think a lot of that would come down to what your manufacturer has offered. So I just made the assumption that maybe you have a handheld type scanner that only has the headphone jack. 
Okay. The line-out jack, which some of the manufacturers provide for doing recording, is usually better because the difference between your line-out jack and your headphone jack, again, is that amplification. So if your skinny manufacturer offers a line-out jack, typically that is not amplified. And the quickest way you can tell is if you took a pair of headphones and you plugged them into the headphone jack, the sound would be more or less what I would call normal. So you put the speaker volume about halfway, it sounds about normal for what you're typically listening to, but then you go to put it in your line out and it just sounds really, really quiet. Typically that's because the line out is not amplified, so it's not trying to drive the signal, so you would need another device to help drive that signal to a volume at which is acceptable for listening. Okay, yeah, because the way I have my stuff is I have the speaker output going to a audio 1010LT, I think it's an M, M Audio 1010LT, which is a uh, onboard mixer in the computer. And it's nice because it has, I think, eight inputs on it. And it has a virtual soundboard on it. So I can run an input and map it to an output. So I have mine mapped out just the way you set it with the soundstage. So I have four scanners going through that full time. It covers two counties. So like hard left, I might have Nassau County Fire. And then soft left, which would be part mostly left, but a little bit of the right channel. I would have had the police department in there. And then soft right, I would have had Suffolk County Police. And then hard right, I would have Suffolk County Fire. So that I can kind of like hear through the speakers which radio is keying up. So it's a bit different than running you know, individual speakers. I'm sure you, I could run with this 1010 uh, audio card. I can run multiple output speakers. But it just makes sense for right now for simplicity's sake just to have two speakers out there. But again, it's also it's also my output for my computer audio. So if I get an email, it's like going through all the speakers too. So Yep, so that's why this can get really complicated really quick. There's no need to do that through a computer. That's a really cool device. I completely had forgot even existed to accomplish that. But there's no reason you couldn't go to your favorite internet web store and purchase a just a regular audio mixer like we would use for perform mixing the audio used to for a band performance or something like that so multiple input and then having purchasing one that has the ability to pan the audio left and right and really fine-tune some of the audio and actually give you some basic equalization so if you've got a sound that's really heavy and bass so it sounds like when they talk you start to see the glass on the desk vibrating you could reduce some of that bass so you get closer to the tinny sound, or maybe you have that tinny sound. You could take down the treble a little bit and maybe add a little bit of bass so it sounds richer, as they say. So it's kind of tough to use some of this terminology because it might not make sense till you actually hear it. But that's why it might be worth just using onboard mixers with your computer. Use your microphone in, use your speaker out, and get to know what some of those settings do and what different sound sounds like when you're listening to a transmission and you play with the treble or the bass a little bit and see what that does for your sound. Right. Yeah, I use I use the uh, the computer speaker set because I was I'm also using that input that sound card to stream and record. So to me it's a like a Swiss army knife type of thing. But exactly what you talk about is a great way to do it. I mean, they have what was it Roland Taxem I think is another company. There's there's a bunch of companies out there that have mixing boards and a great place to find them too if you go online i mean you find a lot of guys that were in the audio for something maybe they're in podcasting or they had a band or you know they're just recycling equipment and they bought all this equipment and now they're just they don't need it anymore so they're selling it for pennies on the dollar so it it could be a really easy way to to grab yourself a board 
and start playing around with it. And you're exactly right, too. A lot of these, they have, you know, if it's an eight-channel board, it'll have a, a slider, right, to increase the volume on it. And then above that, it'll have maybe a treble, a, a mid-range, and a bass pot on it to adjust those levels. And it may even have a mute switch on it as well. So you can quickly turn that off and on. And then on the extreme side of it, on the right-hand side, you may have an output mixer. So each scanner would have its own input mixer. And then you'd have a final output drive on either side that would have a left channel and a right channel. Or you could tie them together or you can feed it out somewhere to another computer or to another recorder. So it ends up being just a central and easy spot to, uh, to mix your, uh, your signals together. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back to the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour 
at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Any other tricks you use besides just going from the scanner into a mixer board or what else would you uh, be playing around with? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit just because I felt like we're going down this really complicated path of somebody who's going to go out and spend thousands of dollars on scanners and audio equipment. Are we even talking about the cables yet and the adapters, you know, from XLR to quarter inch? Come on, we even get that far yet. Stereo to mono, come on. Of course, but I want to bring it back a little bit just because I think what spurred the idea of this one is there's a lot of feeds out there from sites like Broadcastify and Open Megahertz. Actually, Open Megahertz is a bad example for a couple of reasons, but other audio feed sources out there where they're not getting a direct audio from a decoding device. What I mean by that is typically the decoding device is used on a site like Open Megahertz or SDRs and so the SDR audio is pretty much fed crystal clear as it's received directly into the internet. So you get a really crystal clear sound when you're listening. But if you think about a lot of Broadcastify feeds, I assume a lot of these guys just have a scanner or some other radio hooked up to receive the signal and they're just going right into the sound card of the computer. What happens with a lot of these sources, it's really garbled or it really sounds fuzzy or just sounds awful. It's just not desirable to listen to not everything we want to listen to requires us in this hobby to get a scanner there's a lot of stuff we like to enjoy just by pulling up broadcastify or the other sites out there that have audio feeds so one of the big things to talk about with that is clipping so what ends up happening with a lot of these feeds i think is they introduce clipping so what clipping is is if you look at this travel of a sound wave is you see it travel up and down as the voltage increases and decreases on a very, very, very rapid basis. Clipping is when the audio signal exceeds the maximum limit of basically that band, that width of the travel of the wave. And so how we typically introduce that is we take our audio source, so we have our scanner, we crank it all the way up. And then we feed it into something where it has an audio input level and we turn that input level all the way down. What we kind of want to do is try to keep the audio signal that we are feeding into one device as low as we can get it where we can still have the most amount of range. There's devices out there and tools and tricks and stuff that you can look up to see where the maximum limit of clipping is. So pretty much most devices out there have some level where clipping occurs and that's where you get that really distorted sound where it sounds like terrible. I, I struggle to describe it, but I think we all know kind of what that sounds like. You get that, yeah, like, like a that scanner feed where somebody, yeah. yeah, it sounds like somebody's yelling when they're having a normal conversation. Yep. And it's just this ugly sound. So we try to keep the audio level as low as we can all the way through, and that will produce a better sound. Basically, you want to be able to give yourself as much range as possible on your final volume output control. So if you have just a pair of computer speakers hooked up to a scanner. You want to make sure that the scanner volume is such that it's probably as low as you can get 
without having to overdrive the signal on your speakers. So basically, if you could keep everything at 50% volume, then you'd probably be at a level at most speakers. But I can't just say 50% is the maximum level. You kind of have to do some fine tuning with your ear. And there's digital instrumentation you can buy if you really want to spend a lot of money to kind of determine what your sound quality and your sound level is. I'm sure I'm probably going to stir up a person or two who knows better methods of improving their sound quality. But I think the point I'm just trying to make is make sure that you're not overdriving your signal at any one point, and then you can help avoid some of that really nasty audio that sometimes a lot of people introduce into their own signals. Yeah, nothing ruins a feed faster than just hearing it. It just sounds like McDonald's drive through all day long. It's just, you can't <laughs> understand it, and it's, it's just, it's not pleasurable to listen to. But at the same time, too, if you have a feed that's too quiet, then you find out you you can't even raise your what you're listening to on high enough sometimes to to pick it up either. So one biggest point of advice here is just to listen to your own setup and just see how it sounds on the output. One thing I've noticed on my end, exactly what you're saying, is if I had my radios when I first started out, it's just how I did it, right? It was from the from the from the the radio into the computer. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good starting point. But I went through it and I tweaked it. It was if I set the volume to be too low on on the scanner and I increased the input volume on the microphone, then what happened was I was amplifying all the noise. So it would be a lot of hum on the line. If I raised the speaker on the uh, the output on the scanner and then brought the volume all the way down on the input on the computer then it was all distorted, right? It was overdriven. So there has to be that magic sweet spot. And a lot of sound card inputs too these days, they have the EQ meter on it. So you, it'll go from green to red depending on how loud the input is. So something like that too would help. Even if you lower the squelch on the, on the radio and then play with the volume, at least that'll give you a good sense of where the speaker could be, you know, where, where the input should be and all that stuff too. So... But nothing beats listening to your own feed and finding out. So that's if you want to have a good quality feed, that's that's the fastest way to do it. Just listen to it and just see how it sounds. And, and don't forget, too, sometimes other people in the house might be listening to that radio. They don't like having them on. I have a somebody who feeds to my site, and that's exactly his problem is I'll get a call saying, hey, you know, I don't hear anything on this feed today, but it's so, it shows it's online. I'll send the guy a text. He goes, oh, yeah, my wife lowered the volume. So that happens, too. <laughs> so yep, and- that, that can ruin the audio quality real fast. Yeah, and one of the problems we kind of have with this is in car audio where I've learned a lot of this and how to improve audio and things like that is there's a lot of tools out there. So you get tone generation and you can use tone generating equipment to be able to determine where your clipping level is, where where you're getting that overdrive. That's a little bit more difficult because we kind of have to rely on some of the transmissions and we kind of have to sit there and wait for somebody to start talking for us to understand where our volume is. And not everybody talks at the same volume too, which is always the problem. So of course, the one time you're waiting to listen for a transmission so you can check your volume level is going to be the one time where you wait and wait and wait and finally somebody talks and they're shouting from across the room into a microphone and it's just the worst sound ever. One of the tips I have out there is if you need to do some tone generation, you could purchase a an FM transmitter that you would use with your cell phone and that would allow you to use that that you would normally use to be able to play music through an FM stereo to tune your scanner to that same frequency that you would otherwise use on your car stereo and generate those test tones. The problem is, is that's not all that reliable just because the FM quality of a transmission that we're using an FM transmitter on at 88.5 megahertz might not match the audio signal we get listening to a trunked radio system in the 7800 megahertz range. 
Right. Most, you know, most of the time, too, I was going to say your radio might tune out to wide FM, but I don't think most scanners do that anymore anyway. So, but that's the great thing to look at, too, is if you have a trunk radio system, right, and you have the, uh, the beam, uh, bandwidth, rather, on that signal versus what the bandwidth is on, say, low band, right, where you, you're still playing around pretty much with wide, wide FM or standard, standard FM, right, you're going to have more, more of a room for deviation and, and, more signal there so it's going to sound a lot better you know it's going to have more dynamic range i guess you want to say on those low band frequencies as it will be on the higher band because you're compressing the spectrum so much but again if you're playing around digital you're supposed to be getting some fidelity back on it as well so it does take a lot of a lot of playing around with it so what other tricks do you have as far as tweaking the audio and uh getting that perfect sound out of your scanner so definitely consider adding or removing other audio devices in the middle so I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but there's devices out there designed for the impedance matching and for the modification of the signal. So that high level to low level into an amplified speaker. So most of the amplified speakers out there, unfortunately, are designed for the mobile industry. So you'd have to have a 12 volt power supply, which can introduce sound into your signal and not good one at that. Those can help out a lot because then you could take down the amplify signal that you might have in a handheld scanner and then put it back into something that's better for a fuller range of audio. Think about the placement of your speakers. We joked about that at the beginning about how you have a down firing speaker, but the direction our speakers are facing have a humongous impact on the way our ears preserve sound or perceive sound because that's the range we're listening to is basically spoken word. And then one of the other problems I run into a lot is there's a lot of devices out there that can introduce sound or interference into our sound signal. If anybody remembers the older cell phones technologies that yeah. were out there, kind I'm of before 4G LTE. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you <could> have, <laughs> exactly. So you'd be having a text message come in and you would basically hear the sound of the data come in. If you go out on YouTube and watch some of the guys on DMR, you'll hear them introduce noise into their signal because of the trans- transmitting of the 5 watts on UHF, for example. So consider what's around you. Learn about shielding and how to shield audio sources and kind of just don't don't let bare wire hang, hang around. Um, I met a guy who was having an issue listening to audio from a scanner, and I came to find out that he had cut a eighth inch uh, headphone wire to splice it into an external speaker normally meant for a mobile radio and just used wire nuts. And there was pretty much no audio shielding there. So it was doing a really good job, kind of like the old TV antenna ears of picking up extra interference into the sound. So definitely make sure you consider what's around you in the environment when you're listening. There's tons of things that can introduce interference that you're then listening to into the signal. Right, you know, old old motors, air conditioners, refrigerators, right? <laughs> <That's>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that that's that's like the old older stuff to worry about. But still, I mean, it, it holds true. It's like there's enough RF just coming out of electronics these days that uh, proper shielding, proper grounding, you know, it, it's all good practice to begin with. So, I think just going in with with going with a mixer and you know something where you can actually tweak the the EQ on the on the output of the scanner. I think beyond anything else, that might be the most fun way of doing it. It might be a little bit more of an advanced way of doing it, but I think that would definitely be the quickest, easiest way of playing around because you can really tweak. You got your high range and mid range and, and, and a low range on the EQ, and then uh, you can change the volume on the input and the output with the mixer, and, and, and they're fun to play around with, but they can be pricey. 
the one thing you have to worry about too are are the the jumpers or the or the connectors from the back of the radio to whatever it is you're going to go to, like you said, the speaker or anything like that. Do we what do we look at when we look at buying cable? I mean, obviously you want shielded, but what are we looking for with that? Yeah, so this is I think in my last show I talked about going out and buying some RG58 to learn soldering and playing around with that. This is one of those circumstances where I feel like it's better off buying the cable just because the manufacturing quality, even on the cheaper stuff, seems to be better than I could ever make. One of the issues I had personally was I was providing sound for an event, kind of just like a sound engineer, and I needed a little 12-volt light. So I had one of these little little desk lamps that ran off of an XLR port with 12-volt going into it, and I had to solder the connectors myself. And basically, I introduced the whine of the little wall warp powering the 12-volt signal into the sound of everything. So I just had to deal with the light turning off because now everybody could hear this buzz going through everything. So it's one of those circumstances where, unfortunately, you might have to bite the bullet a little bit and spend some money. But luckily, with a lot of the competition in online shopping markets, the price of this has really been driven down. Um, I still remember, even as young as I am, the days of having to run to stores to purchase a lot of this cable and you would usually be gouged because it'd be the only store in town where you could purchase audio cable but now you can get it online shipped the next day or at your door before you've even had the credit card transaction run through there's enough competition out there to get the prices driven down and there's a lot of reputable manufacturers and internet reviews will usually do a good job of leading you to what a good quality cable is and what good manufacturers out there. One of the things, though, to be careful of is people have almost become obsessive with audio quality. The audiophile community is growing like crazy. And one of the problems you can be is you'll see reviews for amplification devices, sound mixers, cables, all that stuff where people are giving it three and two star reviews because they're like, when I listen to this specific song at this specific volume in this specific way while I'm standing on my head, I hear a little bit of tinniness at the high range and it's just like, you know what, 99% of the time, I'm sure the audio is great. So it's one of those things where it's easy to go down a rabbit hole of getting obsessive with how complicated and how complex the audio signal and the audio quality can be. So definitely watch out for, for getting too obsessive with that. But simple things on just researching how to improve your audio quality can go a long way, understanding shielding. And one thing I want to think about while I'm thinking of it or one thing I want to mention while I'm thinking about it, is with vehicles. Typically what happens is you get alternator wine. Alternator wine, anybody who had AM radio and liked to listen to their favorite sports team or news broadcaster back in the day or even today probably remembers the sound of that sound you would get when you would start to accelerate coming through your stereo. Good way to do that, good way to avoid that is ground loop isolation devices. So there's devices that can go in between your headphone jack for your external speaker or there's other devices which can be hardwired and either soldered or crimped onto your audio cable to be able to prevent some of that noise from coming in. And because of the HF community, that's another great community where you can go get some ideas from them of how to isolate from a lot of that noise that can be introduced and learn about shielding and learn about how to properly drain the ground, the interference sounds that you can be introduced into your audio cable. Yep. Ferret pieces do a good job too of cleaning some of that stuff up as well. So I know I've, I've been using that here on, on some of my speakers because, uh, 
I needed that when I was transmitting sometimes, but that's a whole nother can of worms and a whole nother story of things that weren't probably grounded properly to begin with. So, but, uh, there's, there's definitely help out there if anybody needs it. But, um, again, we're talking about improving the sound on scanner. So we're not talking about listening to the Philharmonic, <laughs> you know, I mean, yep. we're not going to get to that point with, with, with the scanner audio. So it definitely sounds like though, if, if, if the audio isn't is, is an issue, and, and I know a lot of people do complain about, they just don't like the way that the audio sounds off the, off the uh, radios, and and I get it, but you got to look at it exactly how we started off today, right? This is a consumer device, not a professional device, so there is that little wild card in there as well. But it, it's is a hobby, right? And part of a hobby is playing around with things and, and learning things and trying things out, and to constantly evolve. And to constantly tinker with things to, to get things to where you want them. And that's one of the reasons why I love the scanner radio hobby because there's so many different little things you can do here with the scanner radio hobby. And this is just another piece of it. You know, it's just another part. Like you can go into antennas and you can go into different kinds of radios or you can go into the SDR world. Or you can go into, you know, just learning all about NXDN or digital or satellite reception. You know, I mean, I have so far as we're recording this and I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but you know, we're getting about a hundred podcast session so that just goes to show people who are listening how far in advance now we're recording at this point which is a great feeling to have let me tell you but getting back on topic here there's there's plenty to talk about and i'm proving it by having all these podcast episodes here but this is just one of those small parts of the hobby where it's like you can as we're talking here go off on a whole nother area of something to do that you were never really interested in and now all of a sudden you're consumed by the thought of how can i improve this and how can i tie this in together so it's really cool to be able to to be able to improve on something that you didn't think you can improve on and and, and by the audio quality is something that we think we primarily think of as being stuck with the radio oh this radio has bad tinny audio well, we have an opportunity here, and, and Harrison, you're proving it, that we do have control over some of this stuff. And with a little bit of, of, of time and, and a little bit of money invested, again, we don't have to spend thousands of dollars. I mean, anywhere from, I don't know, a couple of dollars, on a, like you said, a couple of dollars on a speaker to maybe a couple hundred dollars by the time you invest in cables and amplify speakers and a, a mixer, you can have a really, really beautiful, nice-sounding setup with even remote speakers going off to another room if you really wanted to. And something that would make your local dispatch center jealous. So it, it is very possible to do on a on a budget with with uh, today's commercially available scanners. Yeah, and so definitely one of the things you want to start playing with if you're getting more into this is I can't say it enough. The SDR dongles are a great way to start. SDR Sharp is a great piece of software just because there's a lot in the SDR Sharp community that falls outside of the typical listener of this podcast, which I would assume is typically listening to public safety or local government and things like that, that you normally pick up in your typical commercial radio frequencies and involves people who are interested in picking up HD radio, other terrestrial radio signals. They're interested in picking up just your basic FM radio. So there are plugins that you can search around for, for SDR sharp that will allow you to start playing with will allow you to start playing with the audio and tweaking some of those settings so you can learn what they do so you can get into it. At the high end, you can start looking at some of the more, well, I, I hate to call them this, but some of the more commercial type receivers. So like the ICOM R8600 and some of those high dollar receivers that don't necessarily do things like trunking, but instead have can receive all the modes. Some of those will come in with a lot of options for 
improving the signal, modifying the signal, filtering it through different filters that can improve the audio, can improve the signal quality itself. So they can provide the opportunity to just improve the signal you're receiving. And that in itself can help improve the audio. So there's different ways to look at this, but it's just one of those things where, like you said, there's a lot of people who kind of are willing to ignore a scanner simply because of the quality of the audio coming out of the speaker that's built onto it. And it's just one of those things where if it really bothers you, there's ways around it. But all right. You have any other uh, tips or tricks on, uh, on uh, improving the audio? Not that I can specifically think of as it relates to this hobby. Just if it's something you're interested in learning more about, it's probably one of those great subjects that's covered in endless detail outside of the scanner radio hobby. And it's one of those things where it kind of actually helps make the experience better. There's definitely times where I feel like if I get a crystal clear decode of a radio frequency, it makes all the difference in the world. I feel like now that a site like Open Megahertz, where a lot of these feeds are directly driven by SDRs and their direct feed and the audio quality is probably the best it can be decoded because the software that is running that site is used it's designed in the best possible way to receive those signals. You really get good quality and it makes the experience more enjoyable. I remember listening to broadcastify feeds or other places where you just have a poor audio signal and you don't want to listen to it because it's almost distracting hearing some of these pops, whistles, whirs, all the other sorts of noises you hear. So that's why I like to advocate improving it because now I know I can leave something running all day, keep it at a soft volume. And it's, I don't want to say background music, but it's something I can listen to all day. And then you get, you're able to pick out those little incidents and know when things have gotten a little more exciting, so to speak on the frequency. Yep, exactly. But, uh, all right. I want to thank you very much again for coming back for now the third time and, uh, sharing your expertise in yet another field. So we'll have to do this for number four again really soon, I think, huh? Yeah, I'm just not not sure what our topic is going to be there. <laughs> well, whatever it is you want to bring up, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to have you on. I'm sure the listeners are uh, are happy to hear what it is that you talk about. I mean, you you definitely have a lot that um, is very interesting. I mean, I never would have thought to talk about this topic, so I want to thank you very much for bringing it up. It's it's definitely. I mean, somebody like me, I I, I do like the audio and and. Uh, never really bothered me enough to have to do anything with my other scanners. But now that I'm thinking about it and after talking about it, you know, the, the wheels are definitely spinning in my head going, well, you know, I could just buy a, a mixer board and just start all over again. But it's like, just real quick, what do you recommend? XLR or going straight for the uh, quarter inch? Ooh. Yeah, so I I'm know. A, I'll leave you I'm a loaded a, question at the end. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm at a point where I'm going to let the product drive that decision more than what I prefer. Normally, I like the XLR just because the cable quality of the XLR cable seems to be a lot better since it's higher gauge. It's designed to be lower loss for various reasons just because of its typical typical application. But I would rather let the mixer drive that. So I'm annoyingly particular about when I purchase various products and audio mixes is one of them just because I want to make sure I have that pan so I can create that sound stage and I want to make sure I can maybe introduce another feed. So you said, you know, you have more than just the scanner audio feeding through your, your um, mixer. I'd probably want to set up a mixer that has maybe the ability for me to listen to music. So I'm done listening to the police department for the day. I kind of want to listen to some music. I want something that has a good quality 
stereo input. So with all this stuff, I kind of let the features drive it more and and to some extent the brand a little bit just because it's another one of those markets where we've really seen an influx from typically China, but some outside countries that are now being introduced into our online marketplaces. So the quality of various brands can differ wildly. So quality and feature set is kind of what drives it more so than what patch cables I'm plugging into it. But yeah, I see what your point is. I guess you could get into a situation where you're concerned about how do I take this eighth inch mono out of the line out of my scanner and put it into a XLR board? Yeah, that's going to be a real pain in the neck. I would think it'd be easier, easier just to go from eighth inch to quarter inch, but just make sure it's mono because you don't, I know you can introduce a home if you have a stereo. So at least I found out that out on my end. But, uh, you know, I think it'd be easier to find those cables. If you went from XLR, I think you'd go XLR to quarter inch, then quarter inch down to eighth inch, to be honest with you. I think that's, but that's without looking for it. But yep, and there are some communities catering to that because we're starting to see that somewhat ironically with podcasting. So yeah. with the rise in both podcasting and the online video game streaming community, you're starting to see a wider range of those sort of products. So there's starting to be some stuff out there that's better suited instead of having to make a cable that could introduce noise into the signal. Okay. So, all right. I want to thank you again for coming in and uh, being a guest. I'm sure that we will speak soon on another topic. Yep. And I apologize in advance for the people who say I got something wrong because, you know, I just want to get people started on the subject. I don't, you know, I just hope to introduce some thought provoking conversation. Definitely not here to claim I'm an expert. I'm sure some people are out there listening are better than me with this. So just enjoy the hobby and, you know, find ways to make it better and maybe parlay it into other hobbies. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks again. Yep. Not a problem. Okay, Harrison. Thank you so much for being a returning guest on the Scanner School podcast. I'm always happy to have you sit here with me and just talk about what it is that you know a lot about. This week just happened to be the audio coming out of the scanner. Now, again, this is an open invite to everybody. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, please go to scannerschool.com slash guest and sign up to join me on the podcast. We've had some great guests in the past. Most recently, besides today, we've had Brad. Brad was on to share his experiences and what it was like to monitor basically chaos in the streets while he was listening to his scanner live. We've also had some other great guests who have come on the podcast to share the different things that they do with their scanners. Again, would love to have you on. Please go to scannerschool.com slash guest. And again, all the session notes are online at scannerschool.com slash session 142. And why don't you leave us a comment? Let us know what you thought about this week's podcast. Remember, we meet every Tuesday except the first Tuesday of the month. On Zello, go to scannerschool.com slash Zello for your invitation to join our net. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by clicking the subscribe button on your podcast player or signing up for our email newsletter. We'll receive scanner radio tips and podcast reminders delivered right to your inbox. And if you've also enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tell your friends. Make sure you share this in your scanner radio circles as well as your online forums, websites, and groups. So my name is Phil Lichtenberger. Again, this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything 
you need to know about the Scanner Radio Hobby. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday, 73.